I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Joining us now, he is the radio voice of Ray Alsaw Lake right here on the uh, on KSL Sports. It is David James. DJ, how are you? Hey, David. Is this- is this a soccer show or a food show? What are we doing here? Soccer. Your per well, your perfect donut, like the perfect donut, is what? Ooh, ooh, the perfect donut. Interesting. As a kid, I was really partial to old fashioned, but I am probably more into the chocolate donuts now. To be honest. So, like, just a normal do donut with a chocolate glaze. I used to. Yeah. yeah. Or, yeah. or are you talking yeah, like a Dunford, awesome. like the chocolate and chocolate? Well, I am pretty partial to those, to be honest. I would probably take that over the glaze with the chocolate ice. Okay. Because, David, i got two but Bavarians staring me in the face right now, and they are stuffed <laughs> to the brim. And these are Scotty and I's favorite donuts. Yeah, we have a, uh, a, a local law enforcement officer who listens to the show, and anytime we're on remote and he's in the general vicinity, brings, him donut, brings us donuts from a place that I will not name because – you know, I you know they don't advertise, but it is the best donut place. It's a really local mom pop place, and he a little hidden it. away. And this place is the best donut in Salt Lake City, and he knows it, and he brings it to us, and then we stare and salivate at these things for okay. three hours. Now, now I'm already regretting my answer because I think most people don't believe what I'm about to say is a donut. But if you say it is, then it changes my answer. Is a cinnamon roll a donut, or is it a cinnamon roll? No it's a cinnamon, cinnamon roll. roll. Yeah. I mean, I might okay, give you yeah. a fritter or a bear claw. Yes. Both you know, those are donuts. You know what? Yeah. That's a funny thing. My dad loved bear claws. I did not. I, I was not bear claw guy. Absolutely uh, not. The, I would absolutely the, do the chocolate donut over the bear claw. Absolutely. The, the cream cheese blueberry bear claw is a competitor. <laughs> that, that'll that get in the, the ring and fight. But I don't know, man. Now I'm visualizing donuts with arms and legs fighting. That's pretty weird. That's a that's a pretty twisted dream right there. Hey, David, this is pretty exciting, man. We got RSL back on the station. It's fun because I get to uh, team up with RSL again. It's been a few years since I've done that. And we get to hear your voice on not only 97.5 and 1280, but 1160 as well. How exciting is that for you? It's, uh, it's going to be great. I'm going to need a roadmap before every game. I assume we'll go hard on the social media to let people know which yeah. signal for which game. Yep. Because I'm pretty sure if it's RSL versus the Aggies, Scotty makes sure the Aggies get whatever the best signal is. And then you get into that, engineering. And that's I not true. No. 
<laughs> I couldn't stay awake in any of those classes. I don't understand how that works. I just take it at face value. I, I don't feel bad about this at all because all I ever get is Denver games on your channel. So <laughs> I don't want to hear so any of this, David. I, Lloyd, calm I down think, back there. I I think there were. I think we televised seven Bronco games this year out of the seventeen. <laughs> I'd have to look it up, but I'm not off by more than like one. Partly because they were given so many primetime games because everybody thought they'd be great with Russell Wilson. Yeah, yeah that was that did not go well. Um, no, all right, so so expectations for fun back on you so poorly. I know, there. right? I mean, and here's the thing: out of control. The Aggies. All right, so let's just say this: you got a RSL game and a Utah State game. Utah State will always be on 1280. RSL will be on 97.5. So there you go. Okay, I, I seriously, uh, uh, seriously, 100%. I didn't know that, so I figured I'd just take a shot at you. I wasn't I know. sure how this all all played out. I know there's the three signals, and I know that any game can be on one, two, or three of the signals. I guess. Yep, yep. And again, follow the uh, KSL Sports on Twitter, uh, Ray Al Salt Lake on Twitter, and you'll get all the information you need to know on whether every game is uh, where they'll be at. So, right. let's, so uh, Saturday let's th- night, for instance, the Jazz are playing the Spurs Saturday night. That'll be on 97.5. No, the Jazz will be on 97.5. Uh, Ray Al will right. be on 1160 and 1280 a.m. Yep. Okay, there it is. Right. Okay, there we go. We got week one solved. How about that? There you go. So what to what do you what are your expectations for this team? I think is it safe to say they overachieved a bit last year or was that what you expected and what are your well, thoughts on this year? I, I think that um, given the way it played out with all the injuries last year, I think that depending on who you are, they either achieved right at or a little overachieved what was expected. Um, they had a big problem last year with where do the goals come from? And the answer had been Demir Krylock. He scored a career-high 16 goals the year before, and he scored one goal last year. He only started three games, subbed in two others. Uh, he had a back problem, and then there was a, a nerve, and it's, it wasn't firing, and it, it deadened his leg, and it was bad. And so he had to have surgery, and he was out. He was just out. So he's back. He's not 100%, but as Pablo says, you can't be 100% until you've played a bunch of games, and you can't play a bunch of games until he plays a bunch of games. So he is, is in, he's ahead of where... Pablo thought he would be at this point, um, but you can't say he's 100% until he's got six, eight, ten games under his belt. So the goals can come there. They brought Savarino back mid-season last year, and he played well. So now with a full season and a training camp, there's more expected from him. Um, they have they have a really intriguing young prospect named Diego Luna, who we only saw flashes of last year, and they're still trying to figure out his best position. Historically, it had been the number 10 right in the middle of the park, but that's where Demir plays, and in camp, they put him over on the left side, and he did pretty well. So uh, I, I think that it's mostly goals by committee, but they're really hoping that Savarino and, and Demir Krylock end up in double figures. And then I have a bunch of other guys who are in that seven, eight, nine goal category and try to piece it together that way. DJ, where did your love for soccer come from? Where did that start? Uh, that's funny. And usually, well, it comes from two places. One, my dad liked all sports. So we got, uh, <laughs> I'm old enough that we had a black and white TV when I was a kid. We got the color TV, the black and white TV went out in the yard. And dad would watch whatever was on. He'd turn on, he was, all, there were always projects. He had half an acre. There was always a fence to put up or whatever. There was always something. And so, but whatever game was on would be on. I mean, this is the days of antenna, pre-cable. We were out in the sticks. There was, my parents didn't get cable until I moved out of the house. And uh, so I remember the NASL being on. I remember the North American Soccer League, the Tampa Bay Rowdies, 
Pele's final game, I know we watched that while we were working on a project in the yard. Dad would watch whatever. But really, I didn't get locked in until the 94 World Cup. And that was, they brought the World Cup to the U.S. to get people like me, sports fans, who just didn't have a chance to watch it because in that era, it just wasn't on. And I watched the World Cup. I missed the first game. They, um, they played in Detroit, Pontiac Stadium, and uh, tied Switzerland, and I was at work. I can't remember what it was. And the second game, I was off, and I thought, I'm going to watch. And it's U.S. and Colombia at the Rose Bowl. Oh, yeah. And the, the U.S. ends up winning 2-1. And they're exactly, the own goal. And there is a 30-for-30 30 30 that ESPN did that is one of the best pieces of reporting you could ever hope to see. It's called the Two Escobars. Yep. And the player is named Escobar who scores the own goal, Andres Escobar. And then there's Pablo Escobar, the drug kingpin. And they go into how and why the um, soccer and the money that comes with soccer drew the drug lords to the sport. Basically, they used gates, the gate receipts, where people pay cash to get into games to launder money. And they had a passion for it, too. And the reporting, I'm telling you, it is A++. It is excellent. Um, but anyway, so that, that World Cup and that game started getting me sucked in. It was the World Cup, and then it was World Cup qualifying. Major League Soccer came along, and, and it, I just I didn't know the players. I didn't know the rivalries. Of course, they weren't. It was a brand new league. They really weren't rivalries. And it didn't really get me. And then the team debuted here, and I saw the 20,000 people there, and I saw the ratings on the Saturday Night Show. It's like, well, I like soccer, but now MLS, now that MLS has a team here, it's a thing. And it's... Um, I think it's really what we see in all sports. I think it was noticeable in soccer because the league started up. But PK said for a long time, it doesn't look like a great baseball town, but if we had an MLB team, it would become a great baseball town quickly, or maybe even yeah. immediately. Oh, yeah. Because once you, have, once you have a team that's mine, and you can go to the games, and you get to know the guys, and you just you can't get there. It's hard to go back to that Bronco thing. They're the ones here that people watch the most, but there's so much resentment of seeing the Broncos. Even if they're on Monday Night Football, there's nothing anyone can do about it. Oh, it's the Broncos again. Because they're not our team. They don't play in our town. They don't talk to our media. They don't go on our radio stations and our websites and our TV stations. And so they're not ours. And that's what leads to that resentment. So there you go. How I got sucked into soccer. There you go. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, the interesting thing, too, is and this is why, you know, you go back to 2005, but I remember I was doing a Saturday show on the old 1280, and um, and I was doing it solo. It was only for two hours and, you know, just trying to get reps and try to get better and stuff. And I remember going through the Tribune that morning and seeing a story, um, and maybe it was the D News, I don't know, but, where it, but it was uh, James Edwards, you know, longtime mm-hmm. writer, you know, beat uh, high school beat guy. Yeah. And it had a little blurb, had a little blurb in the in the paper, and it wasn't page one. It was down there ways where that it appeared that that Salt Lake City was going to get a major league soccer team. And I remember thinking, is this really going to work? And I remember about the same time the Garfs brought the Utah Blaze 
to Salt Lake City as well. And it was like neck and neck, like arena football and MLS. It was just like that's kind of how we had them pigeonholed is two really, you know, nice things, but are they really going to last? And sadly, arena football didn't. And to think that at one point we kind of had those as equals, arena football and Major League Soccer. And now you look at a beautiful stadium in Sandy, a championship in, uh, I think, 09, a lot of great history. I mean, it's really remarkable how this community's really embraced uh, really embraced uh, that, yeah. that soccer team and MLS overall. We, uh, I think we've been lucky in that the team has really been pretty good uh, most of the time. There have been a couple blips, a few seasons missed the playoffs, but they've been in the playoffs way more often than not. Um, and that, I think, has helped. There have been a few people, and obviously it was Beckerman and Romando for a long time, but there have been other players who have been here a long time that they've been able to bond with. And, and I think that's made all the difference. You know, and I think they've got guys this year from from Demir to Justin Glad to Jefferson Savarino who people know and they can bond with. Um, there's a guy, um, watch for Brian Ojeda, defensive midfielder. He's really good. Now, you know, midseason they're going to have to decide something and there's going to be a huge transfer fee, and so we'll see how it goes. And I really couldn't tell you how it's going to play out. Um, He's, he's a guy who – he played a few games at the end of last year. He came last summer of the transfer window um, and played a few games at the end of the year. But he's really good, and I think they expect big things out of him. Um, you know, as far as your earlier question, which I think I got derailed on and didn't fully answer, Scotty, you know, there are going to be – they're going to be good, but halfway through the season – People, including me, will say, look, there's nine teams within like six points of each other. And anything, it happens every year. It's a salary cap league. There's so much parity. There's a lot of comparisons to the NBA. Salary cap league, look how much parity. You can say that with the Jazz right now. They're, yeah. you know, they improve two games, they improve uh, three spots, and they will be out of the play and straight into the playoffs of the 60. But if they drop three games in the standings, they'll be 13th in the West behind the Lakers. And that is probably how it'll how it'll stack up. Is that RSL will probably end up in that group in the middle. And for whatever reason, we could come up with theories forever and probably debate it and still not have a definitive answer. More often than not, in that struggle in the middle, RSL has come out in better shape than most. It's tense, and those last month or two, you're not really sure. And it hasn't always worked out, but usually, including last year, it works out. And they, they thumped Portland here, you know, in the finale last year, and they got in the playoffs. They were the seventh and final team in. Now, there's a bigger playoff format. There's nine teams, which is PK pointed out with Pablo. Well, that's great. It makes it easier to make the playoffs, but it makes the stakes higher because if it's easier to make the playoffs than you don't, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there is that element to it. Um, but I would think that they are in the playoffs. The teams that you normally look at as being awesome, um, Seattle and LAFC, They've each, they've each missed the playoffs recently. Seattle missed them last year for the first time. So even when you think, hey, that team's great, they might miss the playoffs. The Galaxy had missed, the LA Galaxy had missed multiple times. I mean, if you took the last five years, would you rather be rooting for RSL or rooting for the LA Galaxy? Well, the reflex reaction of these, well, the Galaxy, obviously, and then you look at the results of the last five years, it's like, no, the Jazz. There's the Jazz. RSL. I mean, they've made it four years out of five. And the Galaxy haven't. And they've been to a Western Conference final, and when the Galaxy do get in, they usually go out pretty quick. So it's hard to know there's a lot of parity in a salary cap-driven league. But I, I would put ourselves in that group in the middle and probably a little better. Now, 
that should get you above ninth. You shouldn't be squeaking in. I think making the playoffs is one thing, but the real goal is to avoid that play-in game, and you want to be in the top seven. So, David, uh, it's been a while since I've really followed RSL. There was a time where I worked with them on their former network and really covered them close. And in that time, Portland was kind of their rival. In fact, I went to a playoff game in Portland and had a blast just kind of watching yeah. it and kind of fell in love with it. It's a great environment. But who is who is their current rival? Who's the one that there's some bad blood and maybe some hate on the pitch? Kansas For a City. long time, it was Sporting Kansas City, and a lot of players on both teams have moved on. So it has cooled a bit because the people who really didn't like each other are now retired, and they really – it was personal – they really didn't like each other. So I think Portland and Seattle, because they've had recent playoff games, and with Portland, they both knocked each other out of the playoffs. Two years ago, Portland knocked RSL out in the Western Conference Final. And before that, Portland had knocked, or RSL had knocked Portland out in a home game, uh, I think now three years ago. Um, Portland missed the playoffs last year. It was shocking, but it happened. Um, so I would think uh, – I would probably go Portland 1, but, I mean, people love to beat L.A. But the truth is it's not a rivalry with LAFC because LAFC has routinely beaten RSL, except the one time they met in the playoffs, the most important meeting, RSL won that game, which is what gives it its juice because LAFC fans, I, even though they won, they won it all last year, they won the LMLS Cup, and I, I think they're still pissed about losing home to RSL four years ago. Is it four years ago now? It's all run them together. <laughs> I'd love to help you out on that one, but I can't. So You can't, yeah. <laughs> I will someday. Uh, all right, so <laughs> I'm working on it. All right, so uh, before I let you go, what can we expect? Uh, I've not met Jay. I've heard him on the air a little bit, but uh, uh, what kind of uh, what, what kind of analysis we get from him, and uh, how's that broadcast going to sound tomorrow? I will tell you that the first time I talked to Jay Nolly in person, he was a backup goalkeeper for RSL. He was standing against one of those metal roll-up doors at the south end of the old end zone at the Utes, back when they played there. And I walked up to him with the camera, cameras, and the photographer's walking right behind me over my right shoulder. And I walked up, Jay Nolly, David James from Channel 2, can I talk to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the camera comes out, and I goes, Jay, I want you to know I hate you. (laughs) And he looked at me, and he said, because you went to the University of Indiana, and who did you beat in the NCAA title match? He looked at me and he goes, you see Santa Barbara? I said, that's right, you did, and I will never forgive you. And so Jay and I struck up a friendship at that moment. <laughs> it's a true story. UCSB, my school, my alma mater, who's won two championships ever, they won a soccer title after that. But at that point, they'd only won one water polo in 79, right there in the final, and Jay Nolly was the goalkeeper who stopped them. Horrible, hideous moment. I finally forgave him. So uh, we've got along forever. He's filled in on some of the TV broadcasts when Dunny was doing national TV stuff. So he and I have worked together. Uh, former goalkeeper, knows the game, knows the league, played it. Uh, I was on a phone call with him yesterday. You, they do a prep with all the TV and radio guys. So Pablo comes on with the games on Apple TV. So the two guys are going to call it in English. The two guys are going to call it in Spanish. The two guys are call it French. And Jay and I are all there. And uh, right away, other broadcasters, former players, are like, Jay Nolly, what are you doing? I mean, he's still totally wired into the soccer world. So it'll be, it'll be good. He and I will fit together pretty, pretty easily. I just have to get used to the radio, not the TV. He's been doing the radio for years, so he's yeah. totally up to speed. Awesome. Well, we're fired up. 
uh, coming up tomorrow. Should be a lot of fun. And, uh, again, your new radio home for Real Salt Lake right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone, as well as 1160 AM as well. So thank you, DJ. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks a lot. And, uh, Hans, I look forward to talking donuts and soccer with you on a regular basis. We're going to do it, man. We'll call it DNS every morning with DJ and PK. <laughs> there you go. All right. Thanks. <laughs> you got it. Donuts, donuts and, and soccer. soccer. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.